Heavenly Father, we do believe this on this Easter Sunday, Lord, 2020, that you, in the midst of coronavirus and everything that's happening in this time, that you are our living hope and that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and that gives us all the hope in the world, Lord. So I just pray, I pray that today would just be a day of hope, that this would be a day of life, that we remember who you are, who we serve, what our future holds, that we would remember what you have done and how that changes everything about our present and our future, Lord. We love you, we celebrate you, we worship you. We thank you for this special day to celebrate this special event that you have risen from the dead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at home said amen. All right, welcome to City Light Easter. What's up? Good morning, City Light Church. So excited to be joining you today, wherever you are. Be joining with my friends here, six feet apart. All right, everybody's good. Uh, but we're excited to be celebrating Easter with you today. Real quick, click the link below. We have a kids service available for your children and a service for, in Spanish, Ciudad de Luz. You can click the link and do one of those two things. We'd love for you to join us uh, to hear the word at an appropriate age level for your kids and to hear the word in your heart language if you speak Spanish primarily. So please click the link and join us to celebrate Easter that way. Well, I want to say welcome. I am uh, so excited to be with you today uh, celebrating what God has done. Uh, somebody had uh, actually written me on Instagram the other day because we were talking about how uh, the church building may be empty, but so is the tomb. Hey, da 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 boom, or however that goes. Um, that God is alive, uh, just like our church is alive, even though the building is empty, so is the tomb. So as we are in an empty building, sharing this with you, uh, we had planned for Easter to be the day we launch in this new amazing space God has given us. God obviously had other plans, uh, but we're trusting his timing, his process, and everything that he is doing. We're excited to celebrate the resurrection any way we get to. What a privilege and a joy to be one of God's children and to be able to celebrate that together today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. You know, it's no accident that we are celebrating the resurrection in the middle of a pandemic. And particularly for us in the United States of America, the resurrection Sunday comes sandwiched between what they're going to call, calling now, the two worst weeks of coronavirus for Americans. So the week that just passed and the week that is to come this week are the two worst weeks. And sandwiched right in the middle of that is Easter Sunday is celebrating the resurrection, celebrating the hope that we have in Jesus, celebrating a hope that is beyond this life, that's bigger than a virus, that's bigger than death. And so I don't think that's a coincidence. I think the Lord has everything worked out in his perfect timing and that he has placed this here so that as so many people are losing the foundation of their life somewhere else and it's being shaken by coronavirus, uh, God presents Easter and the resurrection of Jesus to remind all of us that where we should really be placing our life and the foundation of our life is on Christ. And so I want you to make sure you're aware of everything God is doing in the world around us in your life as well. 
Well, before we jump in, I want to tell you a quick story. A few days ago, uh, I was coming home from a run, and my kids were waiting on the porch. Very cute. You know, they're still young, and they're still excited for Daddy to come home. And so I show up, and as soon as I get there, it starts raining. And my kids are like, they've been waiting for me. Let's go jump on the scooter. And it was raining, 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 raining. And my first initial reaction was like, no, I don't feel like doing that in the rain. You guys will get all wet, and you got to change your clothes, yada, yada, yada. You know, like, no, it's raining. We can't do it. But then as I sat there for a few minutes and thought about being a good and fun dad, I like to be fun. Okay, I'm an Enneagram 7. Fun is where it's at. I need to have fun. So one of my kids to have fun. Uh, so I was like, okay, why not? Let's go grab your rain boots. Let's get on a jacket. Let's get your scooters. Let me go get my jacket. It's pouring down rain at this point. Let's just go. So we get everything ready. We jump out. We're scootering. They are having a blast, having the best time of their life. They're so excited, having fun. They were having so much fun that in the middle of jumping up and down in a puddle, uh, my middle Josiah, my five-year-old, uh, looks up to me, he stops, and he says, Daddy, I'm having so much fun. And that was worth every second of that, uh, every second of having to change their clothes and get everything ready when we got back. Uh, it was a really great time. And what I was thinking about, I was like standing there watching them jump in puddles. And it was one of those moments, like you're having this really profound moment in your head, even though something silly is happening in front of you. Because uh, my wife will often say that uh, it doesn't matter, the, we the weather's not the problem, it's the dress. So it's not a problem if it's snowing outside if you wear the right clothes. It doesn't matter if it's raining if you wear the right clothes, if you're ready, if you're dressed appropriately. And what I began to think about was the same thing kind of applies to the storm around us, that we can't control the weather, we can't control what's happening around us, but we can control what happens through us. That even though I can't control what happens around me, I can control what happens through me. I saw that the rain could have been an obstacle to fun, or the rain could be the very means by which we have fun. And that was simply a matter of perspective. I can't control what happens around me, but I can control what happens through me. And sometimes a problem is simply a matter of perspective. And now I know many of you are listening to that and you're like, hey, Nate, that sounds super cute. I'm glad you have fun with your kids. Cool story and all that. Um, great principle, sure, but I'm not sure if that applies as, as directly to something as deep and problematic as a coronavirus that's killing thousands of people, or to something deep and problematic in my own life, or to a tornado, or a pandemic, or something that would be worse. That sounds cute, but I'm not sure it applies to something that would be worse. I think sometimes a problem is more than your perspective. And you know what, I would agree with you. And as I was having that profound moment with the rain coming down, with me and the Lord, I thought, you know what, perspective is helpful and we need a different perspective, but that's not enough. I thought, you know what, I need another word. I need one more word, I need one more word. And as I began to think through it, the word was not just perspective, but preparation. Making the most of a situation is not just about your perspective, but it's about your preparation. Now the rain is only fun if you have rain boots and a jacket. Right? Snow is only fun if you have gloves on or your hands freeze in like two seconds. You only win a war or a battle if you have the right weapons. You have to be ready. It's a matter not just of perspective but preparation. And that's what I want us to think about today as we think about Easter, as we think about what God's doing in the world around us in our current crisis, in the face of our problems, in the face of death, there is really only one thing that will help us be prepared when we face a pandemic, when we face problems in life that are serious. There's only one thing that can switch our perspective and only one thing that can help us be truly prepared, and that is the presence of Jesus. 
The only thing that could truly help us in this life with any problem that comes our way is the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit who lives within us. There is no other way to be prepared. There is no other way to switch your perspective. And as we're gonna see in the text today, this is so important, we so often look for life in dead places that when it's time to be threatened with death, we have no life to fight back with because we've been looking for life in dead places. That's why the sermon today is called, It's a Dead End. Say to your neighbor, your family member, your friend at home, say to them, hey, it's a dead end. It's a dead end. Say to them, say it's a dead end. It's a dead end. It's a dead end. Your search for life has been one dead end after another. Nothing is what you thought it would be. Or maybe it was what you thought it would be and you thought it was working out great and then here comes coronavirus and it takes away and destroys everything you had been building. Either way, you aren't prepared because you haven't found life in Jesus. And because you're not prepared, you cannot switch your perspective. And because you cannot switch your perspective, this problem surrounds you and it consumes you. But I want you to know, because of Easter, because of the resurrection of Jesus, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have a new perspective. You can be prepared. You can have a new life. So join me in Luke 24. Let me give you a summary sentence of what we're about to study together. This is it, write this down at home. The result of the resurrection is a new life that gives new perspective and prepares you for life on earth and life in eternity. Let me give you some time to write that down. I'm gonna say it again. The result of the resurrection is a new life. No more dead places. It's a new life. This new life gives you new perspective. It helps you see the world differently as God does. And these things prepare you for life on earth and everything you'll face here. Then most importantly, it prepares you for life in eternity and everything that is there. So this is something we're going to look at as we look at Luke 24. So open your Bible, your phone or whatever. Look at with me. We're going to look at the first 12 verses of Luke 24. It says this, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, this is our sentence today, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and then rise again. And they remembered his words. And then returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of Mary of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale as it may seem to some of you. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. He went home marveling at what had happened. Let me pray for us real quick as we jump into God's word. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time in your word. We pray that you would bless it, that you would help us to see what you have done in Jesus by being raised from the dead, how that matters for our life now. I pray that you would help all of us, Lord Jesus, to help to stop looking for life in dead places. And Lord, to find real life in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
All right. So in the light of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, this is the simple point of the text today, in light of the fact that he is alive and that he reigns over all things, this is what we talked about last week too, that Jesus is life. In light of those truths, God has the same question for you today. It's coming right at you, right through the screen. God asks, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? All right, look at somebody and ask them that question. I say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why? As soon as I looked at this, that has stood out to me so much. It said, why do you look for the living among the dead? And I thought, man, that is true of us. Isn't this true of all of us? This is what we are doing all the time. We are constantly looking for life in dead places. And all we experience are just a bunch of dead ends. It's a dead end. So many of you right now are sitting at a dead end. And you wonder, how in the world do I turn around and get out of this? Just the other day, I was dying to get out of the house and go do something somewhere, you know, in this quarantine life. And like five minutes from my house, there's a drive-through Starbucks. So praise God, right? You can't go in anywhere, but you can go through a drive-through Starbucks. Fantastic. Starbucks is always open, right? It's amazing. And so I'm like, I'm just going to get out. I'm going to go get some Starbucks, uh, go get my uh, nitro, you know, cold brew, sweet, sweet vanilla cream. That thing is it's amazing, okay? So 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I need my pick-me-up. I'm going to go to Starbucks. So I get out of the car. I get excited. I'm going to go find life at Starbucks. I get there, and you know what? It's closed. Starbucks was closed. Starbucks is never closed, okay? It's like McDonald's. It's just never closed. But it was closed, and they were closed for that particular day. It wasn't even for coronavirus. They were closed for something else. I don't know. It was closed. And I was so, like, in my heart, super-duper sad, very deeply in my heart. I'd already had the drink in my hand. I'd imagine what it would feel like. You know, it says the first sip feeling or whatever. That's the Starbucks thing. It's very true. It's fantastic. And it wasn't there. It was closed. What I thought would bring me life turned out to be a dead end. And I know you guys have been experiencing this because as much as you're supposed to stay at home, some of y'all are trying to go shop or do something or do another. And when you get there, the sucker's closed. And you're like, ah, I really and sincerely can do nothing, you know. Well, there's every playground I run past has all this caution tape around it. Where you literally can't get inside of it. So the other day, I go and I, I work out. My, my normal thing is I run a little bit. Then there's this outdoor workout place. Then I run back. And that's kind of how I get my, my exercise in. And uh, I was doing that. And they had my little workout outdoor place taped off. But it was taped off at an angle. I actually put this on Instagram to see what people would think. And part of the angle had left a few of the exercise things available because it wasn't within the caution tape sign. So my really question was, is it the principle of the matter that the whole thing is closed or is it the actual caution tape as to what decides what is available to me and not? I wasn't exactly sure. I'm sort of a rule breaker. So I went with, if it's not in the caution tape, it must be acceptable to use. So that's what I did. Uh, I think the vote on Instagram was not like that. Most of y'all are rule followers. But anywhere, everywhere you go, you're looking for life. You're trying to find life and it's closed. And this is a silly, silly way to think about your real life life. And coronavirus has done this to so many of us where we thought we were finding life, we now realize it's a dead end. We thought that job was going so great and things were working out so well. We found our identity and everything there. And then coronavirus comes and it's gone. It was a dead end all along. 
We thought everything else around me, my 401k, my retirement, my college plans, everything was going so well and in the right direction. And that's where I was finding my life. And then coronavirus comes, takes it away and reveals to us that all along that was a dead end. None of those things offered real life to you. None of those things were really what you needed. None of those things were really what gave you purpose in life. None of those things could really help you, save you, or any of that. And so coronavirus has exposed that. And now we're all around the world sitting at a bunch of dead ends, wondering what to do next. And that may be you right now. You're sitting at a dead end. You're like, what do I do now? I'm at a dead end. Well, I have really good news for you today. There's two things I think the Lord wants to say to us is don't stay there and don't go there. Okay, so first, don't stay there. Some of you, you're at a dead end right now and you know it. Just like I said, corona has destroyed everything that you had been working on. It has destroyed what you thought was life. Or maybe it wasn't coronavirus, but something else. Somebody, how they treated you, some way that life worked out, something else that came and harmed you. Maybe it was something else that hurt you. Maybe you have tried so many things and nothing has really worked. Your life has been full of dead ends. You have tried the relationships. You have tried the jobs. You have tried accumulating status and popularity. You have tried everything that you could get potentially addicted to. You have purchased material things, sought comfort, gone on vacation, sought after experiences and thrills. You have done everything the world tells you to do to find life. And all you really have found are a bunch of dead ends. A bunch of dead ends, one after the other. And what God wants to say to you today is that you may feel stuck, but you don't have to stay. You may feel stuck, but you don't have to stay. It's a dead end, but it doesn't have to continue to be that way. Jesus died and rose again. He got out of that tomb precisely to give you the power to get out of your tomb, precisely to give you the power to turn around from that dead end, precisely to give you real life. Jesus died and rose again so that you could have new life, a real life, so that you can no longer be stuck. You don't have to stay there. And that might have been the word that you came here for today is that's it. You don't have to stay there. Wherever you are now, whatever you're stuck in, whatever you don't like about what you're living in, whatever bad habits you're stuck in, whatever circumstance in life, whatever hopelessness you feel, you don't have to stay there. Jesus really did die. And more importantly, he really did rise again. And that means that you have a hope and a future. You may be stuck, but you don't have to stay there. You may be at a dead end, but you can have real life. And that's so important for you today. You don't have to stay there. As we said before, the result of the resurrection is a new life. And this new life gives a new perspective. And this perspective prepares you for life on earth and life in eternity. So repent from your sins. Trust in Jesus. He wants to give you a new life today. Don't stay there. To some of you, you may be at a dead end or going there and God says, hey, don't go there. God says, don't go there. You may be at a dead end, but don't go there. This is so important because some of you are on the precipice of a really bad decision. And so many times you have already told, and we already tell all our friends, right? We say, hey, don't go there. We're going to fix this real quick, all right? So I stop playing with it. We say, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. Right? This is what your parents told you all life growing up was you're making bad decisions, don't go there. That friend's house is a bad place to be. Don't go there. 
Well, you know that even when you see one of your friends getting into a bad headspace, right? You know that because you know your friends. And you're like, see them just, it's going bad. And you're like, don't go there. Don't go there. That rage monster is about to come out, all right? Don't go there. Don't go to that space. Don't go to that place. Don't go to that house. Don't go to that mindset. Don't go there. We know what it's like to tell someone else this. We know what it's like to be told this. This is what Jesus is telling you today. He's saying there's a dead end in your future, so don't take that route. Don't go there. And some of you are on the precipice of making a bad decision. Some of you are in the middle of making it right now. And Jesus died and rose again, not only so you wouldn't have to stay there, but so that you could avoid going there altogether. Jesus says, don't go there. Psalm 8410 has been in my heart recently. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere's. And I think what we've realized from the quarantine is God has taken away all of our elsewhere's. He's taken away our elsewheres. There are no elsewheres. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewheres. And God says, okay, I'm going to take away all your elsewheres. And now we're stuck with our houses. We're stuck with the Lord. We're stuck enjoying, we're stuck uh, remembering and reminding ourselves of how much God is worth our attention. But we realize within our hearts that being with the Lord doesn't excite us as much as getting out of quarantine. Right? Some of us are looking more forward to going to a restaurant than to enjoying the extra time we may have with Jesus. The statement we agree with by fact, we actually don't agree with in principle or in practice. Better is a, a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So God takes away our elsewheres, our dead places, and now we're forced to confront our choices and the reality of our life. That we have been looking for life in dead places or namely a thousand elsewheres. And God is reminding us with a big smack in the face to say, better is one day with me than a thousand elsewhere. You have been looking for life in dead places. And so he wants to remind you, don't go there. So what is that for you? What is that for you? What is that place that you may be headed towards? Where have you been looking for life in a dead place? What does it look like for you to recognize that, name it, and follow God's way out of it? Take what that is, confess it, bring it to the Lord. Remember that he died and rose again so that you wouldn't have to go down that route. You don't have to end up on a dead end. As we said before, the result of the resurrection is new, new life that gives new perspective and prepares you for life on earth and life in eternity. So as we close out, since life in Jesus is so important and every other place is a dead end, I wanna take a few minutes just to confirm with you the reality that life really is found in Jesus. That life really is found in Jesus. So I'm gonna go after your mind for a second and show you a few things from the scriptures that I think might be helpful for you. And it's just from this particular text. So there is a ton of arguments about the resurrection, why you can believe it, why you can trust the Bible. I'm not gonna do all that right now. It's not gonna be an exhaustive thing. But I just wanna give you three quick reasons from the text at hand why you can believe and be confirmed in your belief that Jesus really is life, that life is really found in Jesus. So number one, Jesus called it beforehand. Write this down. Jesus called it beforehand. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and on, be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. 
the way I was thinking about this, Jesus called it beforehand. It's like when someone calls bank at your basketball game. They shoot the ball, it's like bank, and they called it, and it goes in that way. Now, if you don't call bank, it's not, it doesn't count. It may technically count in a real basketball game. Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you. This will be better. But if you don't call bank, it doesn't count. And so when you think about this in Jesus' way, to say, hey, it wasn't luck, it wasn't luck, it wasn't by accident, but it's skill, right? So if you shoot the ball and you don't call bank, if it goes in, it's an accident. You're like, that was a lucky shot. But if you shoot the ball and you call bank, it was skill. It happened on purpose. It happened with intent. You called it beforehand. And so Jesus here, the angels reminded them, they remembered that Jesus said this would happen, that this is exactly what would happen. Jesus called it beforehand. So you can believe and trust that he knew what he was doing, that it didn't just happen and the story wasn't made up, but Jesus had planned this all along. The second thing is that the initial testimony of the resurrection comes from women which may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a big deal back then. Look in verses 9 and 10. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told these things to them. So he names them. Now back in the first century, it's important for you to recognize, the testimony of women was not considered worth very much, and it was inadmissible in court. And so what you see from this, if you're going to make up a story, Okay, if you're going to make up the best story you can make up, what you're not going to do is use evidence that people wouldn't think is reliable. So if you're going to build a story in a movement off of somebody having risen from the dead, back in the first century, you would not choose to make women the primary witnesses of your story. That would not happen. The only reason that it would be in here is because it's a fact, because it's true. Nobody would make up a story this way or build an argument this way because it wouldn't work. Because back then, the testimony of women wasn't seen as very valuable. And what I want you to also notice, because Jesus was always messing with the system, was he wanted, I think, to show special honor to women by giving them the first witness to the resurrection. By giving them the first sight to say, man, I honor women and I want this to change in society. And so we see those things from Jesus. The initial testimony for the resurrection comes from women. That is not a story you would make up in the first century. It wouldn't get you very far. The only reason it would be in here is if it was true. Number three, even his disciples didn't believe it at first. Look at this. Even his disciples didn't believe it at first. Some of you may be skeptical right now. You know what? So was Peter. So was Thomas. So was so many that were there with him. Look at this in verse 11. But these words seem to be an idle tale. They did not believe them, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. He went home, marveling at what had happened. You see what he says? This was an idle tale. Peter heard. Peter had spent those years with Jesus. Jesus had told him so often what would happen. Jesus dies. Peter does not expect it to happen. Somebody's like, Jesus isn't there. And he's not like, oh, cool, that's exactly what he said. He's like, what? No way, I don't believe that. No way. No way. And he takes off running. You'll see from another scripture that him and John have pretty much it looks like a competition. See who can get there the fastest. Okay, Peter gets there first. Or John gets there first, but Peter goes in the tomb first. So we see this, that Peter didn't even believe it at first. Once again, this was not an elaborate plan to make up a story about someone having risen again. This was not how that worked out. They didn't even believe it. Peter legit thought everything was over when Jesus died. And then he was proven otherwise. 
The same thing's true with so many people in the scriptures. You get, right, Saul who becomes Paul. Why? Because he met the risen Jesus. That's the only reason he changed his mind. Nobody brought him an argument. Nobody convinced him of nothing. He met Jesus who was dead and now alive. Or how about James, the half-brother of Jesus, who lived with him his whole life. And the Bible records that he didn't believe in him until after he met the risen Jesus. So many people, lives are changing, didn't believe it at first, were just as skeptical as you until they met the risen Jesus. So these three reasons, I hope, help you think through the fact that life really is found in Jesus because the story is true and the Bible is accurate in everything that it depicts about Jesus' life and resurrection. You know, as we close out today, celebrating Easter, celebrating the life of Jesus, celebrating what he has done, celebrating the fact that we can have life and that we don't have to go to dead ends and be in dead places, I want to make sure that not only are we confirmed in what we believe that Jesus really is life, but that we are compelled by the truth that Jesus really is life so that we go share this with others. Look at the end in, verse, uh, in chapter 24, verse 45. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. All we simply see from this is not only should you be confirmed in what you believe that Jesus is the life, but you should be compelled by what you believe that Jesus is the life to go share this good news with others. The Bible says here that we are witnesses and that we should witness both from our local place all throughout all nations. Because of God's grace and gift in your life to know Jesus, those of you that know him, you have a new life which gives you a new perspective which helps you be prepared for everything that will happen on this earth and most importantly for what will happen in eternity. And that precious gift of a new life, a new perspective, and the right preparation is not just for you. You're a witness to that. It's something that should be shared, not just on Easter, but every day. And so I want to encourage you, if your life has been changed by Jesus, don't keep it to yourself. Don't hold it to yourself. Be his witness. As we've seen all day today, the result of the resurrection is a new life, that gives a new perspective, that gives you preparation for life on earth and life in eternity. And this is what Jesus has for you. So if you're listening to this today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and aren't following Jesus and haven't committed your life to Jesus and are finding or trying to find life in dead places still, I want to encourage you, that's not going to work. It never has. It never will. Turn your life over to Jesus where true life is. He really did die. He really did rise again. And that means everything for your life today. So I want you to text this number. If you're interested in making a decision to follow Jesus or just learning more information, please text this number or call this number and we will get back with you. 703-831-7569. I'll say it one more time. 703 703- 831-7569. Please text. Please call us. We'd love to follow up with you, encourage you, pray for you, help you in your new walk with Jesus. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for everything you have done for us. We thank you for what a gift Easter is to celebrate the fact that you are alive. We celebrate your life. We celebrate your death and resurrection. We celebrate the fact that we get to benefit from everything that you have done simply through faith and belief in you. We thank you for that precious gift. We pray that you would give your people hope and encouragement and help, that you would give us a new perspective, 
and that most importantly, you would prepare us, Lord, for life now and life forever by having life in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close uh, out and sing a song together, um, I want us to take communion. So we're going to do this obviously different than we've done it before. Uh, And I have my bread here and my cup. And so why don't you go ahead and get that, get it ready for you and your family. Uh, We're going to take it and celebrate what God has done together. Even though we're not in the same room, we are together by spirit. We are together in the very best way we can be together during this time. And we don't want to neglect celebrating one of the most important things the scriptures teach us to do, which is to take communion. And so simply, this is what Jesus did. And this is for those who have trusted in Christ. So if you're sitting at home, listening, watching this, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, I encourage you, man, you don't have to worry about taking communion. What you need to take is Jesus. You need to believe in his name and receive his life, death, and resurrection for you. But for those of you who call Jesus your Savior, your Lord, let's enjoy this time together. So what Jesus taught us when he met with his disciples at the Last Supper was he took the bread and he simply did this. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Why don't you take and eat and remember me? And then he took the cup. You join with me. And he said, this is my blood that's been poured out for you. Would you take and drink and remember? pray one more time and celebrate in song what God has done. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your body that was broken for us, for your blood that was poured out for us, and for the life that we can have in your name. We love to worship you and sing to you now. So in Jesus' name we pray.